like what the intro? Yeah, that was like a bit like a. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners got that, but hey, welcome to another episode of Cash Rules. I'm Nick Foley. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Gilmore. What's going on, brother? Working away, man. Same as usual. How about yourself? Working away. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I just got caught off guard with that little, uh, little, little hiccup, burp, cough thing that you did at the beginning. So hopefully, we caught that in the listeners, and I'm not just talking nonsense. And everyone's like, I know, I don't, I couldn't. My mic was muted there, so I don't know. Well, I heard it loud and clear, but uh, we'll 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 go back on the show notes and figure that one out. But uh, yeah, welcome. I'm happy uh, happy to be here. Yeah, just working our uh, we are live on all the the different platforms and, and doing everything that we need to be doing here for uh, Cash Rules. So I'm excited to get started. We had a far-reaching, hard-hitting day today. There's uh, a lot of news in the in the um, in the uh, in the news in the news feeds today, and and uh, let's get let's get started. So you said you're working a lot hard. Of news in the news. A lot of news in the news. What's your big uh, What's your big project, Nick, that you're working on right now, though? I mean, that's probably a loaded question before we get into the news in the news. Development. The one I was talking to you about? Yeah, development. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's a main floor commercial, student rental, uh, downtown Kingston. So it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, any any anything that you take from, like, a kind of a worn down state into a newer state and, and usable. Um, you know, I think obviously number one, it's going to make money, which is great. Number two, um, it's, it's going to bring something to the city. So that's what I like. And, and, and it's, it's interesting, like in business, it's, it's like a car, right? And I've heard this saying a few times, you don't buy a car so you can put gas in it. Just like you don't, run a business to make money. Money is a byproduct of business, but your business has to be a service. So it needs to deliver something to the customer. Same with, with this real estate development that we have on the go. It needs to deliver something to the city. It needs to bring something of value. Yes, it's going to make money. And yes, it's an income generating property and it's going to appreciate and blah, blah, blah. We'll leverage it in order to do more things. But Ultimately, every single project we do and every single business that we open it brings value to the area and it brings value to the customer or the client. And I think anybody looking to get into business needs to understand that, number one, that that needs to be your focus. Um, and if your focus is solely on money or solely on being rich or wealthy or whatever, then you're going to crash and burn. Well, I think you're right. I, I mean, I, I read somewhere not too long ago, Nick, where you never quit your job on, on the basis of uh, real estate cash flow, right? Because, yeah. you know, uh, you, you have good cash flow. You know, you own a lot of properties and I own some properties. And it's just one of those things where it's like you get good cash flow going and all of a sudden you get a tenant that doesn't, uh, you know, you can't get out or, they, you know, they, they you know, you got a furnace that goes or a roof that's going to cost you eight, nine grand, whatever it is. Like you got that cash flow gets eaten up, right? So, uh, I think you're right. I think there's there's something to be said about that. Uh, I know the, um, you know, you've got a lot of assets under management, and that's one of the things that you kind of live by is that you you know you 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 all have your business and uh, the Gilmore Group and the and the uh, Gilmore Meets and such and that. But you know the empire that you grow is uh, is in the real estate, and and it's you know some buildings have great cash flow, some buildings you buy for appreciation, right? So speaking with that, I mean, there's a couple of things. There's lots to unpack today, man, about uh, with what's going on in the news. Um, so let's start with interest rates. That's a big one. For those of you that are listening, uh, the government announced um, this week that interest rates are going to be rising. And uh, so I'd like to get your, your thoughts on that. 
uh, I know that is going to have an immediate effect on both of us. We're both uh, uh, property owners, uh, income property owners, and um, that's going to have a, a, a huge impact or it's going to have an impact. So let's talk a little bit about the interest rate, Nick, and, and uh, why it's rising and, and why it needs to rise and, and, uh, and, and what's the, uh, you know, what's the, um, the pitfalls of, of all that, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's huge news. So anybody who's operates in real estate or, or even, you know, you own your own house, the economy in general, you, people need to understand what's happening in Canada. So this is for our Canadian listeners and viewers. Um, this is kind of specific to Canada. It was announced or there's going to be an announcement uh, next week. That's going to um, uh, fill us in, I guess, or, or let us know what's happening with interest rates. Typically in Canada, five year um, fixed mortgage rate is based on the 10 year U S bond yield. So there's a direct correlation between um, those two rates. The the interest rate in Canada, the mortgage rate in Canada, um, the Bank of Canada has announced that, or they're going to announce, and everybody is speculating that there's going to be, it's going to increase. Some people are saying there's going to be four increases. Some people are saying there's going to be six increases. Either way, probably land around the same spot. Uh, just depends on how aggressive they want to be increasing it. So what this means for anybody, I, like, and let's keep it to, to real estate for now, but what this means is that rates, how long you take your rate is going to matter. Um, you know, if it's variable rates in the short term are probably going to be low because we're unsure of where the rates are going. Your five-year fixed rate is going to be higher um, if you're, if you're locking in because rates are going up. So the bank's going to price that higher. Um, and it's probably not a bad idea to lock in a five-year fixed rate, um, when you're unsure of what's happening in the economy. Uh, obviously with COVID, everything's a little bit crazy right now, but I think it's important to, to lock in and know what your payments are going to be. You know, this is really important because, when you know your costs, you when you fix your costs, it makes operating your business or your life or, or whatever, it makes it a lot easier. So interest rates are going to go up. This is going to decrease the amount of cash flow that consumers have. Okay, so your let's say your mortgage payment is more. It's going to put less cash in your pocket. It's also going to slow buying. Okay, so the real estate market right now, anybody who, you know, lives in Canada is watching this crazy, crazy, crazy boom in real estate. So prices are skyrocketing. There's houses going over asking. There's multiple offer situations. There's just this crazy situation happening where that's driving prices up. And by raising these interest rates, they're looking to kind of cool this market and slow buying and level out prices. It doesn't mean that you should be afraid if, if you bought that your, your price is going to crash or your price is going to go way down. But it does mean that things are probably going to level out and maybe take a little bit of a drop. Um, I mean, it's crazy times. It's uncertain times, but, you just need to kind of understand what your expenses are going to be and, and lock in. And 
further to that, inflation. So this is another way to combat inflation. Our inflation in Canada is the highest year over year it's ever been in three decades. In 30 years, inflation in Canada year over year has never been this high in 30 years. So we just set a record in the last 30 years in this year, which is scary. And they, they, the inflation rates that they're talking about, the percentages, I think are low based on what I see. But, you know, they're the professionals and they make all the calls. I just live in their world. Let me ask you this, Nick. That's a really interesting insight there. So if you were in a, um, a variable mortgage uh would you uh, like even a rental like personal whatever it is would you would you make the adjustments to talk to the company and, and get your uh, mortgage uh fixed a hundred percent a hundred percent because i don't like variable rate mortgages anyways because in business you want to know what your expenses are you need these fixed costs you don't want price going up price going down you don't know like you need to plan in business and you need to understand where your money's going and how much you're going to need to generate to pay the bills. And you can't do this if, if you're in some type of a variable rate situation. I'm not saying that they're bad or that you should never do it because there are instances that perhaps you would use that. I have never done it. I can't really see a reason where I would do it, um, especially in a rental, especially in a rental. I mean, you can you can do a two year, you can do a three year, you can do a five year, you can do a six year. Like this is what people don't understand. Just because they say a five year fixed or a two year fixed or whatever, you can set what however many years you want. You can have a four year, you can have a six year, you can have a twenty two year. These are these are things that that you can you can change, right? Like fi the five year term, you can't increase over a five year term, but they did. The, how long it takes you to pay that mortgage off that can be played with. And I mean, these are just little tidbits that I've figured out through the year to answer your question, variable, no lock in. That's my opinion. Where would you see a, uh, just on my own curiosity, cause I agree with you. Um, I, I think anytime when it comes to business and, and my, my businesses that I run, the business that I run is uh practitioner slowly. So I'm a solo preneur when it comes to that i have you know I, I i contract i have gig economists and things like that we contract for certain uh for certain jobs but it's it's money in money out type thing but the real estate side of my business um i i 100 agree i i think that you want to know your your costs uh, um the best you can i mean it, it both sides of the business really but like you want to know your, your cost the best you can my question though you said that there there might be a time where you'd use a variable rate when, when would that be why would someone use a variable rate just to get the lower interest to have a better cash flow build up maybe yeah if you think that rates are going to go down i think but you're uncertain that might be be a time when you would use that um i mean if you if you're not sure what you're doing with the property typically it's like a one year variable um that could be another option but I mean, it's, it changes, right? So it's not something that I would recommend doing, uh, you know, from any situation that I would see. But if you think that it's going to go down and continue to go down and you don't want to lock into a, a certain interest rate, then 
a variable would work in in that uh, scenario. But typically, a variable is going to be priced higher because if int- if if we're forecasting interest rates to be decreasing, the bank knows this. Like you're not pulling the wool over the fucking bank's eyes. They know what's happening a lot better than fucking we know what's happening. So if if interest rates are forecasted to start going down, then the bank is going to price a variable higher. So, I mean, you got to pick what fits your life and what fits your kind of your financial situation. But ultimately, the bank holds the cards and they're always going to make their money. Uh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, so for our listeners out there that are looking to get in the market, uh, fixed. Get yourself in a fixed uh, a fixed rate. I, I agree, Nick. There's no like now. If you get yourself from a variable to a fixed, they hold all the cards. They know what's going on, right? But I, it's still good. Like I still think that if you're in a variable mortgage right now, and even knowing what we know from these announcements and such this week, still get yourself in a fixed uh, in a fixed rate because it's just going to continue to go. Like variable is cheap. What's that? It's cheap. Variable is cheap right now. It's like one point seven three because interest yeah, right. rates are going up. But they're going up. That's what I'm saying. So get yourself into a like I I like I understand completely why people are in a variable rate. It's so cheap, but it's going up. So get yourself locked in. Even now, the bank knowing that it's going to be locked in, it's probably still a good idea to get yourself in a fixed rate for sure. So why is uh um it like why is this not a, a bad thing though? Like why like you know you know like you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like you would be the you're a good guy to explain this, Nick. That like people think oh interest rates are going up. Oh my gosh. Like sell the house. Like we got like that's it's not necessarily a bad thing that these interest rates go up. Why why is that? Well, then the economy needs to level out. The housing market needs to level out. We can't just continue on this explosion of prices forever. Um, you know, because we're just eliminating people from from the the, the their ability to be able to buy a, a house. Like we're making everything so unaffordable. We can't continue this way. Wages are disproportionate to the increase in real estate. So the, the rate at which real estate prices are increasing, wage prices are not increasing proportionally to that. So this it needs to be combated. So we've noticed something's going wrong. Things are increasing quicker than other things. And when this happens, when inflation is, is occurring, but it's not across the board, Tweaks need to be made in our system. And in this case, uh, you know, we need we need to tweak the the uh, interest rates in order to slow the to cool down the market and the real estate a little bit. And is it going to hurt people? I mean, the interest rates go up. Is your payment going to go crazy? No, but it's going to increase depending on what you're you're locked into or what your mortgage rate is currently or whatever. So if you're absolutely fucking strapped to the max and you like put everything in to get this house and you were went over ask and you owe all this money. Well, there, you're going to have to make some concessions in life so that you can afford that mortgage payment. Do not fucking miss a mortgage payment. People I'm serious. Do not. You can miss the fucking dinner with Brenda you can fucking miss the Tim Hortons coffee. You can fucking miss going out to fucking <laughs> your Tinder subscription. Like you can, these are things that you can cut out and, you know, I'm making a joke of it or whatever, but this is 
Serious. You need to fucking cut down. If you're that strapped, do not miss a mortgage payment or I swear to God, guys, this is serious business. So if you're strapped, tie it in, fucking reel back the subscriptions, cancel the fucking Netflix, you know, smarten up for the love of God. That's right. Miss that dinner date with Brenda and Donna. Donna's the name you're looking for. So, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. Donna. Um, you know, and, and that's another thing too. Like, I mean, I mean, like, and I know we don't want to put the fear of, you know, anything in our, in our listeners here, but uh, we're, we're not big proponents of, of selling. Right. I mean, like you don't sell unless you absolutely, absolutely have to, you never make money in real estate by selling, they say. And, yeah. and, I, and I believe that. Right. I mean, you know, debt is a good thing. We say it here. I know you're all those David Ramsey fans hate you, Nick. And, they, uh, they don't, they like me less when we say it, you know, but it's a, that's a good thing on this, uh, on this podcast because you can use debt to leverage. And I know that if you want to scale business quick, you want to scale your real estate portfolio quick, you need to use that leverage. So, you know, these rates are going up, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's going to cool things down and, and maybe, uh, you know, on a side note, maybe it'll make these realtors come back down to earth a little bit and get off their, uh, get off their pedestal. That's I, the other uh, thing. That's the other thing that I'd love to fucking touch on really quickly. Let's do Realtors it. are on their fucking high horse because it's been so fucking easy to sell a house. They all think they're fucking Jeff Bezos wheeling around in fucking BMWs because the market's been so hot for the last two years. Well, get fucking ready, guys, because real estate is fucking tough, doggy dog, fucking ruthless business. And only the strongest and the smartest and the best in that business survive. People will work other jobs and do real estate and dabble and fucking whatever. But I know, I know awesome real estate agents, tons of them who come in the store and I'm not speaking about these people. These are the people who you guys need to be using, but I'm talking about the fucking jerk offs who think they're heroes because they put a sign in your yard take 4% of the gross and the house goes to multiples and they think they did something right. Like there's a lot more that goes into selling a house than that. And anybody who wants to know the name of good real estate agents, reach out to me and I would be happy to tell you who they are, but I can also tell you a hundred or 200 shitty ones who are just absolute garbage and will steal all your money if they could yeah no i i hear you i mean the ones that are not uh, calling you back or or they can't be bothered to uh connect with you or do that you know being a real estate agent i've never been one but i've worked with enough in my day and i know you've worked with many you know the ones that that are the ones that 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 count are the ones that know their stuff that's the one thing and, and then they go above and beyond you got to run that like you're running a business i don't subscribe to the notion of having tenants in uh, a rental that i'm not you know nice to or kind to or, or trying to do my best to fix that property up so it's not i don't become some sort of slumlord that's just sitting there and, and uh and generating revenue i run it like a business just like real estate agents that here's what i know i know a little bit about business i don't know anything about being an agent but the ones that i know that are the best in the business that do well are the ones that take care of their customers and it's the yes. little things trust me man when, when we were buying houses like when my wife and i we go to, on these deals like it goes a long way when the agent is like kind and and goes above and beyond. She is like, we're working with them again, but if they don't, she's like, Nope, no chance. And I don't have a say. I'm just like, yep. Okay. I get it. Cause she's right. She's right. I don't have a say cause she's hundred percent. Right. 
Hey, listen, man, we can talk about this all day, but this is some really good insight, man, to get to get into this. I know we got some questions to get into. Before we do that, what do you think about the announcements with the uh, small businesses and uh, what's going on with our uh, with the shutdowns and stuff? So the restaurants are getting fucking slaughtered again. Again. Like these, and I've said it a hundred times, Any anybody looking to get into business or an aspiring entrepreneur – Look to restaurant owners, look to the salon owners who have had to be so creative and reinvent their business based on knee-jerk decisions made to close these businesses down. Like, this is people's livelihoods. This is people's livelihoods. And, I mean, it's, it's just – I'm turning my phone off here, but it's just, like, so, so disappointing – that they have to go through this. And I mean, what do you do? There's they they're gonna get fined if they stay open. And I'm not suggesting going against government going against government policy. And I'm not suggesting that anything the government is doing is wrong, but it's 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 tough to navigate. And I just think it's it's not fair. It's not fair playing ground and it's to to continue slaughtering restaurants and having crazy lineups and crazy, you know, crowds in, in grocery stores. It's just, it, I don't understand how it makes sense. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, but it's just, we're, we're killing people's livelihoods here and we need to reposition. So moving the opening date from the 26th to the 31st, although I'm sure there's logic and I'm sure there's, proof behind it and why it's going to work. I don't understand it. I don't see the reasoning. And I think we need to get these businesses open, you know, at 50% capacity, if that's what it is, but we need to get these guys open and get them generating some revenue for, for their, their families. Yeah. hundred percent agree. There's nothing you're saying there that I don't, uh, I don't disagree with, or I don't agree with, sorry, or there's nothing you're saying that I, uh, that I disagree with. Um, but yeah, when this opens up, get into those restaurants, friends, uh, order that takeout, uh, take the, take your friends out, do what you have to, to, in order to, uh, to, you know, keep these companies afloat because they are the backbone, small business is the backbone of our country. And it's built, it's the foundation in which our country is built on. Nick, you're one of those small business owners that, uh, that know firsthand. So let's get into some, uh, some questions and, and we can, uh, you know, move this, uh, move this program along. We're off to a good start here. Let's get the, uh, the first question up if we could. Dancing, man. That's like the new dance that we do. I don't know. God, I just want to. I want to jump in one more t- with one more comment too on the restaurants. They like you can't fucking open up overnight. It's not like you can just say okay, open up restaurants. Like these people need to fucking get product in and get things prepared and get staff scheduled. Like it's not you can't just open and. I people making these decisions. Okay. Like I'm not getting political or anything because we don't do that on here, but they don't give a fuck and they don't understand how these businesses operate because they're you, it takes a, a, if you can just open up and you have seven days, that's massive. Okay. Like that's working quickly. So to just keep changing things and, and fucking around with these people, it's just, it's disgusting. Anyway, well, I mean, 
with that, yeah, I mean, with that said, uh, talk a little bit about supply chain issues then, Nick. Oh, man, it's crazy. Like, it, obviously, being in food, I see it firsthand. But so, number one, cost, the cost of everything, packaging, the cost of meat, cost of produce in here, the cost of grocery, like everything has gone up in price. So that's number one. So then you move into just trying to get products. So like, for example, we can't get salad. We have to carry these Caesar salads that we make uh, and they're, we can't get the containers. So we had to sidestep. Okay. And change, change the container, same volume, same salad. Okay. But the container is shaped differently, which gives the customer the, um, it gives the customer the idea that we've changed something. So it just sends the fucking sales of these salads into the ground. This is one thing. I'm just using one example out of a hundred because we've had to change this container. So now we're losing money on these fucking salads, re-educating the customer on, Hey, it's still the same thing. It's just a different container. And this is nobody's fault who's a customer or it's not our fault. It's just the way people shop and the way people think their minds are programmed. And you know, it's now it's costing us money. Same with food, getting product in here, getting meat in here, you know, it's, it's a nightmare. So, you know, leaning to the restaurants, these people have to get in the food. They have to get in their frozen product. They have to get in their packaging. And if this stuff's backordered and you need to open in four days, but you don't have any product to do the menu, well, then what the fuck are you going to open for anyways? Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you're right. And that, I think it's important for our customers, our listeners uh, to, to understand the, the importance of supply chain, right? And that's why, you know, and, and, and even further to that, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're making costs, or you're having costs like you know, food costs, things like that, when you're, when you're, when you're shopping or when you're buying local or you're buying, um, you know, national, uh, it, it, it's still a problem. But when you're, when, when you're in businesses that's overseas, it's even more of a problem as well, right? Because now you're, you're, you know, now you're fighting for space on the, on the boat to get across with Amazon and Apple and all these big conglomerates that monopolize that space. And then you're dealing with getting it into the country. And when, you know, somebody, you know, some ship captain decides to put the boat into the side of the Suez Canal, backs everything up. Well, you're like, well, what if you don't ship to the Suez Canal? It doesn't matter because all the boats are backed up and they can't get into the port to get the, the goods. And your port that doesn't even use the Suez Canal or your boat that doesn't even use that canal is backed up as well. And then you get to the port and it's, there's, there's a, uh, a strike going on. So you don't know if there's one in Montreal, the one in Toronto or um, the, the port in, um, in Vancouver. You know, and, and, and then that backs things up. And, and again, you're a small business owner and, and you don't have the monopoly that these big, huge conglomerates get and supply chain gets screwed. Somebody asked for an order in July and they end up looking for it at Christmas. So you're right. And then these things shutting down, you know, the economy. So we shut down uh, the, 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 the pr pr premier shuts things down. And, you know, they like you said, it's probably rooted. There's, there's a reason for it. Yeah, we get it. But you don't know what to order. Like, what do you have, you know, because you can't move the product. So then you're stuck on this product. And if they come back and you got to re-educate the customer on how to sell the product, you're in a tough spot. In your business, you're in a timeline that's really tight because the food will go bad and you got to get rid of it, right? And the so, margins are shitty anyways. Like absolutely. margins in food, everybody thinks like, oh, I want to open a restaurant. I want to be a restaurateur because it's cool. And <clears throat> I want to be the next fancy chef and this and that. Restaurants have the shittiest fucking margins of any business. Unless you're like a super high-end restaurant, restaurant margins suck. And 
if you can't use a product doing A, you need to be able to use it in B or C. And this is what people don't fucking understand. So it's so not. So now they're getting fucking smoked. Now they can't open. Now they can't get product. Now their costs have all gone up. So now they got to alter their fucking menu, but their margins are trash to begin with. So now they got to struggle to make fucking money that way. And it's just like, fuck, I feel you guys. I feel you. And you know you're in it. All right, question. What did the early days of your startup uh, starting, uh, excuse me, what did the early days of you starting up your business look like? Reading is hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it was great and it was fucking hell. So, so, and we've we've touched on this before, but like, when I, so I, the first business I opened <coughs> was Gilmore's on 38. Now Gilmore's Market in Harrowsmith, Ontario, just north of Kingston. Super fucking proud of myself. Super proud of everybody who works here, who has worked here, and who has helped build this business to what it is today. Very, very proud of it. So this store was kind of like my first venture. I was getting into business and blah, blah, blah. Luckily, I had watched my parents work seven days a week and have no fucking hobbies or do anything with their life forever. So I knew what I was in for and I fucking executed. So when I say when you're starting a business, you need to put all your resources, all your fucking time, all your fucking effort needs to go towards this business. I say it all the time, but I've done it. It's not like I just fucking say this bullshit and I read it and then regurgitate the information. Like I've done this. I started this business and for the first seven years, I worked every single fucking day. I still work every day, but it's at a different capacity. I was out front waiting on customers, cutting all the meat, cleaning up, fucking unloading trucks, doing the back end shit, ordering, staffing, waiting on customers, talking to customers, learning what they liked, learning what they didn't like, learning their names, learning about their families. This stuff is so important, guys. That's the customer is what allows us to stay open. So the early days of my business, seven fucking days a week, 14 hours a day, 15, 16 hours a day, just insanity. Just work, 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 work. And I had to keep it together up here because it will drive you crazy if you don't keep your mind right. So you got to understand that you're going to sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice a lot. You're going to sacrifice friends. You're going to sacrifice relationships. You're going to sacrifice going out to fucking dinner with Brenda from Tinder. You're going to sacrifice fucking buying that car because you can't qualify for the fucking car loan because you don't have fucking two years fucking business uh, or T4s from an employer. And they piss on your business income because they don't fucking trust it. So then you might have to use stated income which is fucking two points higher on the interest. Like there's so many sacrifices that you make as a business owner. Okay. And at the end of it, and I, I don't mean at the end of it, it doesn't get easier, but it, you get accustomed to what you're doing and your physical labor eases a little bit. And 
you know, we're we're in it 11, 12 years now. I'm I'm in it 12 years now. So it's, you know, one third of my life I have been doing this. And the first third, I didn't work. Well, I worked a little bit of it because I worked for my dad, obviously, and I'm a slave labor, which anybody in small business understands. But this is my life now. And I embrace it and I love it. And I want to share with people how hard it is so that you can understand what you're getting into. Don't think you're going to fucking dip your toes into the fucking pond and then have fun here, but work a little bit and hire a million fucking people to do all the shitty work because that doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. And if you think it's going to exist and you think it's going to happen that way, your business will go to zero with a fucking bullet. I promise. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a, you know, some good, good insights here to, to unpack a little bit, Nick. I think that, you know, any business, the owner or entrepreneur that, you know, dabbles into something, right. As uh, as our friend likes to say a lot, um, dabble, um, when they dabble into a business, they're not, they're not putting their, their whole heart into it. Now there's a difference between, you know, kind of getting your toes, your feet wet a little bit and, and, and jumping in. And also there's a difference between, you know, doing what you have to, to pay the bills and then work on your business. You know what yeah. I mean? I remember when I, when I quit as a teacher, um, and so that I could, you know, start a, uh, right. a speaking and, and, and kind of a, a coaching type thing. Um, when I first started in, in business, I would work on my business at night <coughs> from like seven to 11 at night. And then I'd wake up in the morning at five thirty, six o'clock work demolition. And then till seven o'clock at night and then do the same thing again. Right. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have that balance that, 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 that money was guaranteed to pay bills. And the other time was, what I spent on my business. And then when I launched it, quit everything else and just, you know, focused on that. So yeah, no, that's a good, good insight. And that's not going like, you're still all in, you know, you're still all in because you're fucking working a hundred hours a week, but you yeah, need yeah. to keep that income to like, it would be suicide for you to go all in on the fucking speaking at that point, because you would go bankrupt. So you, you know, you need to understand the landscape of your life and the landscape of your finances and tailor your plan to that. But ultimately you, you had to work while you were getting the other going and right. it's not, it doesn't mean you weren't all in on it. You just were all in at fucking midnight instead of at fucking noon. Yeah. I mean, the difference is too, is right. You know, with businesses, some businesses are different. Like we had no revenue. Right. I had to build something from the beginning that had no revenue. When you started and you opened the store, right, you generated a little bit of revenue because you had you had customers. It wasn't where it is now, 12 years ago, but you had that revenue to, to, to a little bit anyway to to get things um, to get things going. Right. And, and, and once you started to do that, you, you, you know, you used your money wisely and, and grew and expanded. And, and, and here you are with all these stores later and, and your real estate portfolio. Whereas in some businesses, if you have to start from scratch, we have no revenue. All you have is a model. A model is great, but they're they're only fun to analyze and look at. They don't they don't bring money in the door unless you're selling models for a living. Um, I'm not sure how that came out, but like you know what I mean. Like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, I got this great business model. So what? I know all kinds of business people that have business models. Like you know, what you need to do is be able to survive week to week. And lots of times, small businesses are surviving week to week. And that's why we spent so much time at the top of the show yeah. talking about the decimation of so many small businesses because of what's happening in our, uh, in our society. So good answer. What's our next question here? 
How do you stay consistent through the mundane? That's tough. That's it's so hard. It's so hard to reinvent and constantly be thinking of new ideas and trying new things and trying to you you need to be this leader in business because and I posted on Twitter this morning. Um what and I said you can't the blind can't lead the blind. Somebody needs to have the vision. Okay? Somebody always needs to have that vision. And when you're the leader or the owner of your business, you're the one with the the vision. And it's not saying your employees are blind, but it's saying they are looking to you for guidance. And you need to be consistent. You need to constantly be be doing it and, and working the business and and moving forward and pushing ahead and it's executing at this high level consistently is where a lot of businesses fail because they'll get going or they'll get some legs or some traction and they'll, they'll start to get going and then you start to make a little bit of money and then like the owner disappears. And it's like, where's fucking chef Joe who started this business? Oh, well he went for a trip to the Bahamas well, he's only ran this fucking thing for two years. And then the staff start to fucking get in and they don't really give a fuck. And, you know, I'm not saying all staff are like that, but some are. <clears throat> and then they don't know the numbers and they don't have the tools to operate the fucking business. And it goes to shit. And you see this so often. And that's why you always got to be involved in your business. If you're not involved, sell it. Sell it to somebody who does give a fuck. Because I can tell you with the utmost certainty... I care about my businesses more than anything in the fucking world because that is what's necessary. And I bleed that people can smell that on me. How, how passionate I am about these businesses because you need to be. And when you wake up and you're like, fuck, I don't feel like figuring out a fucking special for meat because I've done it a billion fucking times before. You get up and you fucking find the passion. You look for your passion and you fucking find it. And then you find you put that special on meat. And you go in and you talk to your customers who allow you to be in business. And you try to put out the best product and reinvent and give your customers something that nobody else can. And it's not always easy. And I don't know how I do it. I just do it because you you're not always going to enjoy everything you do in business. A lot of the time, most of the time you're you're doing stuff you don't like. But ultimately, you do things you don't want to do now so you can live like other people can't live later. Uh, yeah, no that's really good insight. And I think that you know, one of the things that I'd add to that is is uh, creativity and curiosity. Right. So you talk about, um, you know, how many times you've had to make specials out of meat and you've done it a billion times. Right. Well, <clears throat> the curiosity in that is, is finding new ways. Right. And so when when I'm when we're going when you're going through the mundane, when you're going through the everyday or the ordinary and you're not, you know, you're not evolving by being creative or being curious, or curious then that's where where lies the problem, right? If it's going through a downtime in your business, then that could be the time or should be the time where you actually get curious as to ways you can make money in different avenues or generate more revenue streams and then find that creativity on how to do that, 
right? So you talk about the specials and I, I know it's just one of many things that you do, Nick, but those specials you've done a billion times, there's lots of times where you don't want to do it, but you're curious on ways you can make it work and you bring that creativity to bring that, to, to, to make what you're, you're curious about into, uh, into action. So that's one thing I would add to embrace that mundane and use that as, you know, as learning time, as curiosity and creativity time as well to enhance your business moving forward. Yeah. And just like the guy who knows it all is the guy who knows nothing. So when you think, you know, everything in your business, it's time to shut the fucking doors and go to your grave because there's always something to learn. There's always someone to learn from, and there's always ways to grow. And if you're, if you feel like you're the guy like I talk all the time on this podcast and I, I give people the knowledge that I have accumulated over the years. But when I'm in a social setting, typically I'm not talking, I'm listening, especially with guys who I look up to and who mentor me and who are successful in business. Typically I just sit there and I listen and I ask questions. Okay. So if you're somebody who's out there and you're shooting your fucking gate off because you think you know everything about your business or, well, this is how I do it. And I'm such a fucking hero. Well, you're probably not. And chances are you probably work for somebody else and you'll never be in business because you're a fucking jerk off. And for those listening at home, your gate is indeed your mouth. Like yes, that. it is. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> how do you evaluate who to take advice from when building a business? This is actually a really good question. It stems on, you know, what you just talked about, about being around mentors and people you admire. So go ahead, Nick. It's funny. It's so funny who tries to give you advice. Like I have people on it. Like, I don't want to say almost a fucking daily basis who will come up to me and they'll say, Hey, you know, have you tried this or you should do this or you should do that or you should buy this. This is, happens all the time. But it's not from guys I would listen to. It's from some fucking jerk off who just wants to give advice based on nothing. They have nothing. They have jack shit. They are maybe they own their house and some shitty ass fucking Chrysler beater car. And then they want to tell me how to run business. Like this is where. People who are like so free to just start blabbing at you and giving you advice are typically the people you don't want to take advice from. The guys who are out busy, moving, hustling, running businesses, you need to seek these people out. They will give you advice because owners and business and entrepreneurs are, are like the most generous people with advice because they've been in, in the position that I'm in or somebody below me is in or, you know, people who are coming up the coming up the, the ladder. But if you've got somebody coming in and, and, or coming to you and then they're offering this advice and they're trying to, you know, tell you how you should do this and you should do that. Well, you know, look at what they've done. If they've done, and I'm not saying what you drive is directly proportional to how successful you are, but you know, if you haven't done jack shit and you're trying to give me advice on how to run business, Take a fucking hike. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of insight there, Nick. And I think, you know, you've one of the things that you're you're really good at is surrounding yourself with mentors. Talk a little bit about some of the mentors that have had an influence on you professionally and personally. There's uh, so many. 
I've had the I've had the kind of I've been fortunate in in be working in this store that I've met so many people. So we live on like we live on um, or our stores on a highway that leads to a whole bunch of lakes. And, you know, the people who live on these lakes are business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, high ranking, you know, C level individuals who who have have realized some success. So I've had access to these people for like 12 years and I have milked every little bit of opportunity to talk to them and to pick their brain. And it was my destiny to, to do that. Like that's why I, I ultimately ended up here because while well, a, I saw a community that needed this, and I was able to service it and add something to the community, but it was my destiny to meet all these people this way. And there's just like, for example, one, one of the, one of my mentors and I've known the gentleman for probably about a year and a half. He's just remarkable, like just an absolute hustler started from nothing, came to Canada Worked, just worked and worked and worked and worked and, and ended up buying some real estate. And the insight that he has offered me in life and in business and in real estate is you can't put a price on it. I can't put a price on how much he's given me and opportunities and the doors he's opened and the introductions he's made. And these things are invaluable. And I've had many mentors to give me, give me different, different, um, have added value to, to my life in different ways. And I think this is so key being an entrepreneur or being somebody who's aspiring to be an entrepreneur. You want to open a business, talk to as many business owners and entrepreneurs as you can because they will give you advice that you will not find anywhere. You can't read it. You can't find it on the internet. You can't get it from uncle fucking Ron. Nobody can give you this advice, but them because they've done it. They've been through it. They've fallen and they've, you know, made the mistakes, learn from their mistakes, you know, I hate the fucking saying, well, you know, I learned by doing. Well, you're a fucking idiot then. You need to learn by talking to people and learning from their mistakes. They made the mistake. Why should you make the same mistake? Listen with your fucking ears, shut your mouth, and understand the mistakes they've made. And they'll tell you. And then you can navigate around it. But just listen, guys and find the right mentors and ask the right questions and you'll be successful. Work your fucking nuts off. Well, I think, I think that's why like, you know, it, having a coach or a mentor ex expedites the process, right? You know, like uh, you, you need to invest in, in, even in, when I say invest, I mean, you know, some people invest mo monetarily, but also with your time, which is our most important commodity. So, okay.
last uh, last question here before we get into rant time. What are the steps to getting a commercial mortgage? Well, this is an interesting one, Nick. You and I have had lots of discussion about this this week on a on a different project. This is huge. This is huge. And it's also like a loaded fucking question. <clears throat> so I don't know what the best way to approach it is. Well, I, let's talk about it. I guess just well, let's look, well, let's look at it through your experience so far. Different commercial mortgages that you've received. Oh. What we do that. Okay. So let's, again, let's kind of focus on the Canadian and Canada and the U S are similar in a lot of ways. So I guess, you know, this goes hand in hand, but for example, let's say you're a business owner and you currently you're renting a space. So I did this, this is firsthand knowledge, firsthand experience. This is something I did. You're renting a space. Your business is in that space. You're paying rent to the landlord The you want to buy the building. So typically if it's a, um, you know, a plaza strip plaza, you'll be able to borrow typically up to 75% loan to value, meaning the bank will, will give you 75% or 65% loan to value, sorry, on a commercial. Um, they will increase it if it's owner-occupied and you occupy a certain page of the footprint of the big blah, blah, blah. But just to keep it easy, that typically they'll lend you 65% of the value of the building. Okay, so if the building's worth a million dollars or you're buying it for a million dollars, they'll give you $650,000 in a perfect scenario. And we're not taking into, you know, account any of the other variables that play. So you need to come up with $350,000. So this is just a typical generic plain situation that you will run into with a commercial mortgage. Now... <clears throat> Here's the difference. Commercial mortgages look at things differently. So when you're buying a house, a residential house for you and your spouse, they'll look at debt service ratio, okay? So how much debt you owe cannot exceed a certain percentage of your gross income, which is like 40% or 42% or whatever. Or total, And there's total debt service ratio as well, which is higher. With commercial, you have debt service coverage, okay? which means they look at the property itself. And if the property itself costs $1,000, and that's they take into account like a 5% vacancy rate and you know the, the other costs that are associated with property tax, other costs that are associated with the building. If your costs are $1,000 per month, your debt service coverage needs to be one25 so you need to make $1,250 from that property in order to qualify for that mortgage. Okay. So it's a, it, it's a property specific, it's a property specific calculation. And so they'll look at the rents. They'll look at everything the property is bringing in and blah, blah, blah. 1.25 times. This can alter and change a little bit. Sometimes it can be 1.2. Sometimes it can be 1.3 but it's right in that wheelhouse. Okay. So long as you're dealing with a, one of the big five, you need to prove to the bank that it does that. So then you give them the leases, you show them the income, whatever. 
let's say it doesn't debt service 1.25 times. Well, then, sometimes it can take income from your business. Okay, so if you make a bun bunch of money with your business and you have a bunch of money left over at the end of the year, sometimes they can take that and add it into the calculation to bump up that DSC. Okay, so that's another little trick that they don't always tell you. If it's owner-occupied, okay, if it's owner-occupied, you can do this. And even if it's not, if your corporation or whatever entity that owns that building or that's going to own that building can service the difference in that debt, then you'll qualify for the loan. Here's another question. What if you don't have the 350000 sitting in your bank account to slam down as a down payment? What if you don't have that? Oh, yeah. And let's not forget your fucking land transfer tax that you're going to owe. That's going to be fucking massive. 50, 60 grand. You might need to bring in a second. Okay. But typically, the banks don't want to register a second after their first on a commercial property. They want to be the only registered or the, on, the only one registered on title. Okay. So then what the fuck? So what's the second to get? If you need to borrow 350 to, to finish this deal, but they can't register on the building, well, then what? Well, what else do you have? What can you register? Do you have 350 in equity in your house that they can register on? Do you have a, another rental property? You know, are you cross guaranteeing it with the business? Maybe you have money in RRSPs that you can guarantee. You know, who there's a typically you can't guarantee an RSP, but you would have to take the money out and then put it in like a, a uh, cash account. But you need to get creative on these things. And I can tell you with the utmost certainty that I didn't fucking have dick all when I was buying my first rental properties. I had nothing. Like I was fucking living paycheck to paycheck, but I was just like buying these fucking buildings because I was being creative and I didn't take no for an answer. Like there's no, no I'm buying it. It's just a matter of how I'm fucking doing it. And then here I am years later with significant real estate. I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be. And, and I'm also, I'm also not anywhere close to anybody who fucking surrounds me because the guys I'm talking to have hundreds of millions of dollars in assets in real estate. Right? So this is, these are the guys, like I'm like a fucking pissant to these guys, but that I'm looking to, I'm constantly talking to them. So it's like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Why do I, but to guys I know back in the day or, you know, anybody, my younger me, I'm the man. So if I hung around with those guys, I could fucking wheel around to the bar, buy fucking drinks, be a fucking hero, have the most times a million that any of these guys have because they don't fucking aspire to anything besides getting drunk. But unfortunately, that's not my dreams. So I'm surrounded by this big group of crazy motherfuckers who owns hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars of real estate. And I'm fortunate that they will have me and talk to me. But this is why I'm always going and going and moving forward and like 
clawing my way ahead because these are the guys I look to. But commercial mortgage, if that's if, if I'm talking to you and if this is something you're interested in, happy to explore it in more detail because there's a million things that I'm not touching on here. But, you know, for the we're at 56 minutes. So for the, you know, just kind of the short of it is you got to get creative. And if you don't have enough money and the bank tells you, you know, fuck you. You go find a way to do it. There's other lenders. There's alternatives. There's private lenders. There's mortgage brokers who are fucking amazing. There's one in Kingston, Janet McDonald. Awesome. Talk to her if you're in Kingston or Belleville or wherever. Like she knows her shit. Yeah, I know that's a really good insight, Nick. I mean, I think in the next, maybe in another, maybe next episode for next week, we can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, vendor take back or seller take back, whatever you want to use, whatever acronym you want to use, or target investors, you know, at the different percentages and what's a good rate and and deferring the interest rate and and, uh, and the principal payback until the end of the term. Like we could talk about all that next week. I think that'll be a good one to make a note of because you're right. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, This has been a great episode so far. Let's get into uh, rant time. You ready for that? Yep. All right, man. So here it is. Where's the Where's the thing, man? I'm I don't know. Mad. I'm waiting. Producer was taking a nap. Maybe I don't know. Let's She's bored at all this fucking financial discussion. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not, though. I'll tell you that. All right, Rant, here it is. One question for today. Give us your thoughts. We talked about this uh, this week, or I said this morning, actually, when we were shooting the, shooting the breeze. But here it is. Do people say shooting the breeze anymore? I don't know. You've breeze? said it twice, though. And yeah, this- I, I, I caught myself today. The second time, I just said shoot the breeze. And I, I haven't said shoot the breeze in quite some time. We don't typically do the video for the rant, you idiots. Oh, okay. So there you go. We, we don't we'll usually do the- Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> I thought I can't believe we didn't remember that. Shocker! We both didn't remember that we don't. Uh, I know you didn't say idiots, but I yes you did. I'm gonna tell everybody you called us idiots, because we are. Because we don't remember that. How do we not remember that? You're forcing uh, our extraordinaire producer to uh, get on the chat. And say hey, we don't usually do that. How do we not? How do we both forget that? Well, you forgot. You're the lead in the discussion. I'm just here for a good time. You know what good leadership is, my friends? Not pinning it on your partner. All right, here we go. All right, here it is. Here for a good time. I like that. So give us your thoughts of people. Okay, ready? Here's a rant. Give us your thoughts, Nick, on people that ride the victim train in business or in life in general. The victim. The victim train. Who? This is a big question. This is a big question, and it's a big fucking problem in society okay and i'm going to say some things here that maybe aren't politically correct or maybe they are i don't fucking know but i'm going to be realistic and i'm going to be honest with anybody who's listening to this because i know you guys want the truth and i know you guys want to know what it takes to be successful in business and i'm going to be the guy to give it to you regardless of what anybody wants to say about me I've got big shoulders. If you're the fucking guy who's always going out saying, I didn't catch my break or I'm worth this much and they're not going to pay me. So I'm not going to do it. Or I don't do that job or this isn't what I really want to do. So, you know, I'm going to step back from it. 
or any type of excuse, anything. I don't give a fuck what it is, okay? I don't care what your excuse is because, listen to me, I'm bleeding in my stomach right now. I'm supposed to go get cut open for an operation because I'm bleeding. Okay, but I'm still here because you know why? I have to be here because that is what makes me a good business owner. If you're the person who's fucking, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to not going to go in today. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling so great. Well, it's COVID. So, you know, I probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't fucking do that anyways. Well, you know what? Maybe you should fucking have a look within and see that it's probably you and you're probably fucking lazy. Ultimately, because I can tell you, and this is before COVID. Okay. So this is going back because I don't want anybody trying to fucking spin this around. I would come to work. I had a broken fucking hand and wrist, okay? Because I had gotten into a fight. I had a broken hand and a broken wrist because I got into a fight because I'm an idiot. I had a full cast on, okay? I thought, oh, you know, I don't need to go to work. This was for my dad. I don't need to go to work. Why would I? I have a fucking cast on my arm. How can I cut any meat? A hard cast. Well, you're coming to work. That's what my dad told me. I went to work. I went to work every single fucking day with that cast on. And when it was time to take the cast off, I didn't go to the hospital. My dad cut it off my arm with a knife. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that this type of behavior is the norm or this this should be what you aspire to be because i'm a i'm super extreme but lose the fucking excuses toughen up you need to be tough in business you need to have a fucking thick skin and you need to show up every single fucking day no matter what okay things are going to happen you're going to have issues in your relationship you're going to have issues in your fucking your car or your fucking water heater will break down. Things happen in life, but you don't miss work. You go and you do it because you have to. And that's how you get ahead. And that's how you fucking move forward. You don't just take every excuse to not go because you'll be the same fucking loser today as you will be in 20 fucking years. If that's your approach, you need to toughen up and you need to be the best you and you need to show up. And if you guys need any fucking tips on that, talk to me. I'm Nick Foley. He's Nick Gilmore. This is Cash Rules.